1: Welcome to episode 47 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, devil's concubine. (laughs) Joining us tonight, he is a Glasgow-based comedian, it is Mr. Chris Thorburn. Chris, hello. Hello, thank you so much for having me. And thank
0: you for coming along and doing this. And again, another in-person guest, Mitch. Yeah, always nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Always nice to have
2: another human face in the room. (laughs) If there's one thing that can be said about me, it's that I'm here. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's, 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 that I have a face. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and while we're thanking you for stuff, uh, Chris, thank you for choosing The Devil's Advocate. <laughs>
2: uh, why this film? Uh, the thing is, like, I, I, I don't think you can properly do justice Like, if you pick a film that you actually have disdain for. I love this film, okay? <laughs> but... It's also entirely too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a fair assessment in every way. It is just, it, I, I mean, I, I, I've got such a love for Hammy acting, and this film is just like one big joint of gammon. <laughs> <laughs> you will be in your element then during this. <laughs> say, there's
0: two and a half hours of it, so yeah, it is an entirely draining experience. <laughs> like, uh, Those moments, I just kept checking the runtime. I was like, Jesus Christ! Like, like there's still an hour. And a half to go and then tonight um we, we, I just had to go back and check something and my wife joined us late for the last half an hour and she was just like oh my god and i think the last half an hour alone it's pretty intense yeah, <laughs> it deserves special mention but the rest of the film's pretty full on up till then oh aye but it builds to this
2: like wonderful crescendo like of, like yeah by the time you get to that last half hour it's just so full on <laughs>
1: i think that's fair yeah yeah right We're going to do something, if you've listened before, you'll know what's coming, maybe. Uh Uh, For anyone who is crazy enough to be listening without having seen The Devil's Advocate, and if you're one of them, buckle up, by the way. (laughs) Um, uh, Andy's got 30 seconds of the clock, I'm going to count you in. How would you feel about attempting a 30-second synopsis of The Devil's Advocate?
2: Okay, I should preface this, I'm terrible with character names. That's Uh, fine. Just just, just choose the actors. Okay, three, two,
1: one go
2: okay so Keanu Reeves is a lawyer and uh like he's on a case where he's uh defending a guy that he's clearly found out is in fact a pedophile and like and he makes a choice right then and there that he's going to win this case because he's actually a very good lawyer and he's married to Charlize Theron anyway he wins the case and then they're celebrating and then he gets approached by a law firm that's in New York uh that we then find out is like pretty much owned by Al Pacino and um uh, no, who is playing a character called John Milton the one character name I can remember because it's so subtle uh, so they moved to New York time uh, time oh, oh, that's 30 seconds 30, 30 seconds, seconds. <laughs> it
0: doesn't fuck about it doesn't fuck about yeah so many people have fallen into that trap of getting too tangled up um, you
1: touched on something there it's like um, the only character name you can remember is John Milton almost not really necessary to remember character names here because everyone in this is so famous <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: that's true yeah oh, the, like it's, it's as if the the real life characters totally eclipse the characters that are playing in the film. <laughs> <laughs> However. Keanu Reeves here,
1: playing the character of Kevin Lomax. Kevin Lomax. yeah, <laughs> Defence lawyer, That now. The opening scene, we've got him uh, defending a teacher against a child molestation charge. The alleged victim is uh, Barbara. Heather Matarazzo. Yeah, Ma- yeah. Heather Matarazzo, yeah. Future star of Hostel Part 2.
0: Our <laughs> <laughs> star was on The yeah. <laughs> So everything, everything worked out fine for her. Um, uh, she was also in Scream 3. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Randy's sister, yeah.
1: So we get our first taste of what is a festival of dodgy accents, here.
2: <laughs> but they're all coming from the mouth of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> this right here is like peak Keanu Reeves. Like, uh, right? How do you guys feel about the Matrix? What are your thoughts on the Matrix?
0: I quite like the Matrix. I think the Matrix I, is fine. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I haven't seen it in a long time. Aye. Um, because I feel there's a necessity to, to visit the sequels, uh-huh. and I'm not prepared to do that. I like the Matrix just
2: fine, but I, like, <laughs> it, like, in theory, it's kind of like that's perceived as like the peak of like Reeves. Reeves career it's like the star making turn but I will take post matrix Keanu Reeves like once we get to like John Wick but also like my love is pre matrix 90s Keanu Reeves we've got point break you know, like, chain
0: like, reaction Johnny Mnemonic
2: I, Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, oh, I mean
0: I, if we're talking about
2: accents I feel like
0: uh, it's too soon for Mitch to revisit uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula in his mind that it, it broke something in him bloody wolves chasing me through a blue and
2: <laughs> like bless him. Like I find Neo kind of boring, but like oh, that run of parts leading up to Neo. Ah, I love him. I love him.
0: He's uh he's he's playing Kevin Lomax, like you said, Mitch. He's a a, a lawyer from uh, Gainesville, Florida. However, his accent does not illustrate that in the slightest. It is everywhere in the South and nowhere. <laughs> it's somewhere somewhere completely beyond any of that. <laughs> It's a wild acting choice and this film is full of wild Keanu acting choices, I think.
1: He kind of deduces during the kind of opening here that his client is guilty.
0: Well he deduces, does he, by the fact that while the little girl is regaling the horrible story of being sexually molested, the guy is having a wank. It's <laughs> <laughs> hardly Sherlock Holmes. And it's it's not even that he's shocked, he's just kind of annoyed, like, Oh god damn it,
2: can you just stop <laughs> me <him laughs> for two seconds? <laughs> Also, just watching.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny,
1: you're right. It's like a look of thinning pages. Like, <laughs> again, <did> <laughs> again, again, with
0: Again with the public wanking. It was public wanking last time. <laughs>
1: um, so, uh, yeah, he calls for a recess, which I think is understandable under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Has a kind of small-scale kind of episode in the bathroom. At this point, do we think that Kevin is more concerned for the fact that his client is guilty and a terrible thing has happened, or he is more concerned for the fact that his 100% success rate as a defence lawyer is on the line.
0: Okay, it's at this point he's grappling with his with his conscience here. He obviously is extremely proud of his success, and I think there's a line later on where he talks about absolutely living to see the look in a, in a jury's eyes, and to see the smile on their face when like, he wins and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm sure that's in his mind, but at this point it's a question of how is he going to take this forward? And it's the question the film tries very hard to make us ask as well.
2: I would argue that yeah, I think there is a little part of like a moral dilemma on his part. You know, like I think I I think it's implied that, you know, he's played fast and loose, but like if we're looking at this as like, you know, this is the inciting incident of mm-hmm. the film, you know, like like and we're going to we will you know, Spoiler we will eventually return to this. So this is kind of that nexus point. It's that moment where he makes that choice. So I would argue that potentially, like, you know, he's not made a choice that harsh before. So while there is the element of, you know, he just does not want to lose, there's also the element of do I, you know, put my morals out the window and, you know, like... This.
0: Mm. You have to wonder what cases he's tried before. Are we assuming then that this is the biggest case he's done to this point? I think it's the, probably the heaviest. Uh-huh. Because I think... I, I can't imagine being a defence lawyer. I, I, I can't imagine sitting beside people that you know did something... <laughs> And having to defend them and kind of argue on their behalf to get them back on the street, I think that takes a special kind of cunt. It's kind of. <laughs> In all fairness, the bit that comes after this is designed
1: to be tough to watch, and it really is. It's fucking horrible. Aye, um, yeah. I'll be entirely honest. Like
2: ninety-nine uh, percent of my viewing experience of this film does not involve like the first maybe half hour or so of it. Like there was a point where like it's like. ITV two, three, and four were just playing this constantly, <laughs> and it would always be no matter no matter how many times we'd seen it. Like you know, my wife and I are going through the channels, and we we, we hit like that film, and we're like, we're watching *Devil's
0: Advocate* now. <laughs> like, but then you forget that's the start of the film yeah, because
1: uh, you always miss it because you just stumble across it. Uh, <laughs>
0: you, you hit it with your arm outstretched with the remote in it, and then you do the really slow remote drop into your lap. <laughs> Just after a couple of minutes, you realise that, yeah, well, this is this is now on. Yeah. Here we are again. So you're joining it really in New York,
1: right. for the most part. Right. Your experience
0: right. is centralised in New York. Right. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish we could all do that. Um, <laughs> what I will say, though, Mitch, is you are right. The scene where he tears Heather Matarazzo's kind of story apart, and you see his little tricks to get the kind of jury on his side when he's shown them the sneakily, making sure they can see the photo of the, the fat teacher and stuff like that. Uh, it's pretty hard viewing pretty tough viewing yeah
1: um but yeah he he wins and uh mary played here by uh Charlize Theron, uh she turns up long enough to join the ropey accents club and uh, then they go out to toast the freedom of a man who is demonstrably a danger to children
0: <laughs> she's doing an okay job she's from south africa yeah <laughs> oh god aye that's true <laughs>
1: She's I mean, I mean she's 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 starting she's starting from further away from it accent wise i guess Oh, my God. Like I, I always forget that about, mm. like, yeah. <laughs> in fact, I think that, yeah, if we're, t- if we're talking about the kind of accent spectrum here, I think that she probably is doing a little better work than a lot of the kind of adopted Southerners in this.
2: Absolutely. Aye, aye. Like, so e- even in something kind of as schlocky as this, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, all credit to Charlize Theron. She's a fantastic
0: actress. <laughs> I know you said oh, Keanu's terrible. Charlize is terrible. I don't think she's terrible in this. I think she's pretty good. And maybe she's caught in the blast radius of Keanu's
1: shyness, and that was. It might be. It
0: might be that she has to just constantly adjust her level to kind of match Keanu's. She's <laughs> constantly doing like Keanu calibration. Aye,
2: and there and there's almost even the thought that like just the the direction every single time was just bigger. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> bigger <laughs> just picture the
0: director in the final scene just weeping at the bottom like this is everything i hoped it would be like this is
1: <laughs> right, you can just imagine the note in every other scene being like yeah that but more <laughs> um he gets head hunted under really bizarre circumstances here oh god yeah they, yeah they wait until he's like partying. <laughs> yeah he's um he's asked to gonna go to new york participate in um and in a
0: jury selection
1: and uh, he accepts, and they and we
0: are off to New York. Oh. He accepts in a weird way, though, because he, he doubts the guy that offers him the job, and then he kinda does one of the worst on-screen like laugh, fake laughs I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then he says something along the lines to the guy, like, "That was really good. Like, I really appreciate the joke. Uh, uh, I'm especially like the black thing. Oh God, and I was yeah. like, What like?" Like, this was a choice for this man. <laughs> do you know what I'll do? I'll black up when I will do it. Uh, really I fun. will be black. That would be, be really funny. <laughs>
1: it's, it's like That guy was actually played by Christian Bale. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a black man. Um, but yet he seems to think that even the blackness is a joke. I
1: think He, he, he seems to think that the entire thing is this kind of, like, very carefully cal- calculated, like, large scale kind of put on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's eventually spoken round. That would have been funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just that. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> So so the first thing that we see of him in New York is kind of participating in this um in this jury selection and he makes some fascinating comments.
2: Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> just like when when he just eyes up the one and he's like, "Oh no, she wants revenge. I, uh, someone hurt her. There's, uh, a
0: da- there's, a, there's a darkness in her or there's something <laughs> missing from her or
3: something."
0: Uh, I mentioned Sherlock Holmes a minute ago, but this is him he's at his peak catch up stain on the jumper. Check out that guy's shoes. That's mm-hmm. a bizarre way to behave. And I didn't I didn't imagine the that, that a lawyer would be involved in that before they had a job. Um, no, like although
2: the thing is, like whenever we see these like Sherlock Holmes films, we always also get like the part where it's proven. Oh, he was right. We don't get that here. He could just be wildly wrong, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but just pure confidence. What we do keep
0: seeing is him telling his wife that he's he's succeeded. Like, he never comes home with bad news. He's always like, yeah.
1: He's he's always going home and being like, nailed it again, honey, and we see virtually no evidence of that. (laughs) Um, uh, Right, yes, so he leaves the courthouse at this point, is observed from a distance by John Milton, played here by Al Pacino. Um, Pacino here oh my god that's the thing like you know you're enjoying the film up to that point but here
2: it, it's that kind of poochie dilemma you know like the entire time I'm wondering <laughs> where's Pacino where's...? and then as soon as he shows up it's a shot of life in the film and like just ah oh, e- e- even just Pacino like just standing there like saying nothing you're just like this is gonna get silly
0: he is doing the Lord's work here well maybe not the Lord's work but he's certainly it's an interesting he, choice of phrase he had by, by comparison to everybody else Jeffrey Jones Craig T. Nelson everyone he is electric A'ight. in this like from the minute you see him and uh, he very nearly wasn't in it he knocked it back like three times I think or something yeah it's it's almost like you know like kept knocking it back and, and eventually they were just like listen by the
2: time we get to the last 20 minutes blank pages you just do whatever you want <laughs>
0: <laughs> and my and my does he? Uh, but he when they when Pacino knocked it back, he was like, "No, why don't you ask Sean Connery or Robert Redford?" Right, Robert oh. Redford. Oh, I can kind of see. I think Sean Connery would just have changed it altogether I think originally Joe Schumacher was going to direct it and Brad Pitt was going to play the Keanu Reeves character oh. which would be fine but yeah, I think okay. the, the addition of Sean Connery just about anywhere is a bad one <laughs> <laughs> although I would have liked to have seen Nicolas Cage play the Keanu role opposite Sean Connery again oh the old, God. The old team reunited <laughs> <laughs> the
1: like not long after this I think it's the next scene actually um I, I feel like I should try to stop calling him Keanu <laughs> just start calling Kevin Kevin Kevin. Um, he heads to the firm and he has his first kind of in person encounter with uh, with John with Pacino I don't think it's I mean I, I don't want to talk too spoilery Yet, however, also, when they're talking on the rooftop, which I think is a performance that's heavily over-egged by both sides, mm-hmm. a Pacino turns around, or John turns around, and Kevin looks at his shoes. And you I've get got this, his heels written down here. Yeah, you get you get this long, lingering shot on his heels, and I was like, if those shoes are hiding hooves, I'm going to lose my <laughs> fucking mind. They, they plant that <laughs> shot, and it, I, it's ever really paid off. <laughs> I was really hoping that's what
0: they were seeing.
2: <laughs> it almost feels like a shot we're not meant to be seeing, because, like, I don't know if you've ever seen any, like, set photos of like robert downey jr on the avengers set and he wears he wears heels because he's so short and right. like mm-hmm. tony stark needs to be like the same height as everybody else uh and it
0: almost feels like was that meant to be in there or <laughs> it does feel like yeah. an odd choice so, like i don't know if Pacino would be too happy with that uh-huh. but i also feel like Pacino wouldn't have allowed them to keep it in yeah also yeah also if it didn't have a point but yeah i don't see what the point is but,
2: like, if we're discussing the scene, uh, can we just mention the absolutely insane decor of just the entire office building? Oh, like, yeah. Like, I mean, when you get to, like, the main the main room, there are just, like, sheets of rusty scrap metal with what looks like bullet holes just on the side of the wall. <laughs>
0: and that's before we even get to Pacino's office, which... Which <laughs> looks like a baroque nightmare. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a giant concrete pipe. Um... With a, just like, with weird reliefs on the walls.
2: It's so true, I didn't actually write that down. a sliding it.
0: brass door. Yes. Like, yeah, you have to you have to wonder how much of that was already there. Aye. Uh, oh my god. Well, the, the infinity pool uh-huh. uh, area outside is real. Uh, mm. That was only in my research for the episode. I always thought it was a fake, like a CG background. Like, the weird one later where him and his... <laughs> him and the, the red-headed woman oh. which is the one of the maddest fake skylines <laughs> I've ever seen in a big budget film but uh, this yeah this was real and I yeah. thought mm watch who's the ostentatious prick that owns that yeah i know <laughs> you, you do have to wonder
1: what that building is the rest of the time <laughs> i know and <laughs> it's just like the, you know the production team like
2: come like you know you know to the guy just like listen we would like to use your building uh your office is going to be owned by satan yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> by, absolutely yeah. <laughs> yes. oh cool yeah
0: <laughs> you're not the first to say that.
2: <laughs> you're actually going to be surprised
1: how little you have to adjust <laughs> um uh, Milton John offers Kevin a job, and he takes it. At this point, we get some rapid-fire character introductions, some of which, well, most of which, we'll figure later. And we've got the hilariously named managing director Eddie Barzoom. Jeffrey Jones. Oh, the uh, always uncomfortable Jeffrey Jones. Yep, second <laughs> yes. second
0: yeah. comedian we've had on the show. Second <laughs> Jeffrey, Jeffrey Jones, Jones performance. Oh God! <laughs> uh, obviously, Howard the Duck. See, I really like Jeffrey Jones. That's the thing he was always in really
2: good films and yeah. and yeah. he he was never bad in them <laughs> interesting performances a <as>
1: well, lot <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah he figures in a in a way down the line that is uh, phenomenal that we'll get to also um <laughs> The hilariously named uh Andreoli You Uh, thought her
0: name was (laughs) Ariola
1: earlier on today. I was like, no. That would have been fucking on the nose. (laughs) It would
2: have been two on the nose for devil's (laughs) admiration. More on the
0: nose than John Milton.
1: uh yeah so but she appears kind of like um obviously i think we get a look at her earlier on because uh kevin walks past and kind of has this awkward moment where he sees her through the um through the window of her office and she kind of like looks at him and shuts the blinds mm-hmm. uh meets her again uh she's kind of seeded in a way very obviously is going to figure out a big way later also um uh, pam Garrity played here by deborah monk uh whose role is kind of non-specific but she introduces him to the Moyes case his first case in new york <laughs> Uh, He sums this up as, it's a health case, and it's a loser. He thinks he's being tested here, and when he goes to find the guy, I think that (laughs) he's probably right.
2: (laughs) When he briefly steps into some straight DVD Hellraiser sequel. He is in
0: a blood-soaked sewer, uh, it appears, uh, alongside Delroy Lindo, uh, who is, uh, for me, best known for being in Congo. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) But, um, Stop it... eating my sesame cake! <laughs>
1: <laughs> when he goes to see I like you say, he, he walks into this kind of like living quarters slash workstation, and my first instinct was it's like if I was a lawyer, I wouldn't defend him in a health standards <laughs> case either.
0: <laughs> no, no. um I would argue given the runtime of this film this entire court case can go. Yeah, it it seems like this is going to be
2: the narrative thrust of the film and then like it's out of the way and it's really <laughs> yeah. There's a lot
0: like in this <laughs> film
1: actually. I would say that the next court case
0: also has the same feeling.
1: Um... Yeah. But yeah, I think actually you're right. It's like this, this is kind of like, because you kind of get this entrance of Pam coming in being like, now it's time to talk about the Moyes case. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like this is kind of, we're shifting gears now. We're going to get into the main meat of the story. And then it's like, yeah, the, like this mad guy who uh, is a, a kind of uh, a goat killer who gets off with uh, health standard offences on constitutional grounds. And then we're very briskly onto the next thing. No, he's a
0: voodoo <laughs> priest. Yeah, but he's... You know, the, I don't more what the issue is.
1: No, the the the, problem, the issue is that his kitchen isn't hygienic.
0: I was going to, if, if this was going to be the main case, it's a very boring one. No. <laughs> like it's like man who killed a goat. No, But, like, we
2: still get some nice, ostentatious courtroom shit. I mean, like, like as I said, I love big hammy acting, and the breeding ground for that is just, like, courtroom scenes where folk are shouting, and they're doing <laughs> mad things, just, like, plopping tons of veal on the table. <laughs> <laughs> like, the first time you actually go to court in real life, like, you know, like, witness a case, you're just like, this is nowhere near as interesting as the films have led me to believe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like when someone in a court scene has just one thing that wins it for them, and he did it with that big slab of meat. Aye. Also worth mentioning, Delroy Lindo uses his, po- his voodoo powers to kill a guy, or certainly oh. choke him to the point where he he's unable unable to perform his
2: duties. Aye, which is an odd choice. Like, just like okay, so like this entire film is kind of operating within the mythical framework of Christianity.
3: But we're now going
1: to introduce voodoo in it. And voodoo works as well.
0: <laughs> it appears quite effectively. Who's <laughs> a voodoo goat killer that Vader chokes like that. And does his whole performance without barely moving. <laughs> so obviously, yeah, Kevin wins in
1: this case. Um, uh, yeah, Moyes walks free. 65-0 um, by this point. Uh, Pacino John talks to him here and kind of talks about the fact he's a very promising lawyer Says one of the more fucking outrightly bizarre lines in the whole thing The thing about me is people don't see me coming I'm the hand up the Mona Lisa's skirt oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: the, the sneaky smirk <laughs> <laughs> you know? It basically oh, spends the, the, the whole movie. film telling you how cool he is <laughs> <laughs> And how amazing the devil is <laughs> I've just
2: fucked this woman and she turns back looks at me.
0: How the hell did he do that? Oh, I love it. She's walking away or trying to walk away. Oh, <laughs> it's so good.
1: I mean, like, this this maybe isn't a bad time of just talking quite broad terms about the work Pachito's doing here because, like, I mean, I think that him and uh, he and Keanu Reeves spend this entire film feeling like they're in different films. Uh-huh. But I also feel like Keanu Reeves always spends his time feeling like he's in a different film from everyone uh-huh. but i'm um, obviously like ken is playing it straight or his approximation of playing it straight <laughs> but you know he's having it the time of his life here and it's so enjoyable to watch hi because where are we this is like 1997
2: this is what yeah. like two years after heat or something like that yeah, it bit, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah 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 like i i i, I, I I've got so much love for late period Pacino. Like, because you look at his early years, he was, you know, quite a subtle, nuanced actor. But then he just got bigger and bigger. And it's great. It's never a bad time. I will take late Pacino over, like, late De Niro any day of the week.
0: Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with that. That's yeah, a, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's
1: a 100% a fair call. Definitely.
0: But he's fucking bonkers here. <laughs> Absolutely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> including like and I'll be honest with you. I, I've dabbled in directing. I would absolutely let him do what he wants. He's like, but you know, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get too involved in his process. Like, oh, um, I think Colin Cutton trying to tell him what to do. <laughs> I, I'd be embarrassed. All right, go
1: for it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stake a claim that this doesn't happen in any other film ever. Um, next up, we are off to a party with New York High Society. There are a lot of things to unpack in this <laughs> scene. Uh, not least that um, Al Pacino gives Charlize Theron beauty advice. <laughs> You gotta cut your hair. What's wrong with that? Well, yes. Well, she does it in the end. He knows what he likes.
2: <laughs> Although, speaking of hair, I'm like sorry to go back a little bit, oh, but like a... you know, oh. when we first see Pacino's character, like. I've got a theory that like Al Pacino dyed his hair right before the first day of production and eventually it settles into what a normal person (laughs) looks like but in those first couple scenes you you know how when hair is so black it kind of looks blue Yes, (laughs) like like he's got that going on and it's so
0: distracting. (laughs) On the opposite side of that Keanu goes from wearing very light suits to wearing very dark suits across the film. Mm-hmm. No, so no, there no, no, no. you go. <laughs> <laughs> so much subtext that I'm missing. <laughs> that's as much subtext as you get. Like, that's as much kind of nuance change in performance as you get from Keanu across the piece. Um, <laughs> <Like, laughs> uh,
1: one thing I think that's really funny during this entire sequence at the party is that there's so much like genetically nefarious business chat going on. Like at one point, Pam says something about a rival, and she just goes, oh, we'll just plant a story in the paper and destroy his credibility. It's like, we get it, you're dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're demons oh, like, understood
2: <laughs> like that's real first draft stuff like oh we'll, we'll, we'll go back and we'll find a you know like less clumsy way of saying it. and they never did
1: <laughs> I wonder if their names yeah. are like anagrams of demons oh god it, it would explain why any character or anything is called Christabella Andrioli <laughs> in the same film as what? a character called Eddie Barzun <laughs>
0: some great name work
1: (laughs) just just, 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 that guy earned his fucking money I like a
0: film that just picks the mad that just picks crazy names it's like the person whoever used to write character names for Schwarzenegger and I'm confirmed he did it himself (laughs) I'm sure in one film his character's name is Andrew Gibson and I was like (laughs) no it is not it is not <laughs> well yeah because like you had you also had like that
2: little kind of subgenre of like you know when arnold schwarzenegger was just playing a normal guy yeah. and no one's ever bringing up you're a gigantic austrian guy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, but there's uh, no way your name is andrew gibson <laughs> from iowa uh so we touched on this briefly earlier um uh kevin meets uh christabella here on the on the fake balcony this is like rooftop in the room standard green screen
2: absolutely and there's i i think there's a bit like uh like you know she says you know do you do you get a view like this like and it's like no mine is real
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is that's really bad
1: (laughs) See, this is the thing. I'm, 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 re- I'm generally like quite bad at
0: spotting technical things like that. And even I was like, that green screen is pish. <laughs> Good lord! It looks like it's like actually standing in front of a screen with a projected image on it.
2: I miss that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it just, like back in the day when people would just be moving their hands on a steering wheel and there would just be like sheets with buildings going by
1: them. <laughs> Keanu is summoned, well, Kevin is summoned to John's office here. Local millionaire Alex Cullen is charged with a triple murder hang again. Hang on, hang yes. on.
0: Are you going to move by the blossoming sexual tension between Keanu and Christabella? Oh Christ.
1: Yeah, okay. We should cycle back to that. You're quite, right, you're quite
0: right, you're quite right. Yeah, they are hot for each other the minute they set eyes on one another.
1: Uh yes, they're flirting outrageously.
0: This might be the sexiest film we've ever done. <laughs>
1: I would say it's the film with the most sex in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's more accurate. So it was only me that, it was only
2: me that was incredibly aroused. <laughs> like the, like there's there's points that I'm
1: like, this should be sexy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like all these here are these attractive people. It's like mm mm-hmm, Yep, this is certainly a scene with sex in it. But and that's any, all I can, that's all I have to say about it. Anytime
0: that. there's a scene with sex, just when you think, Oh, here we go They put a demon face on the woman <laughs> and you're like, Oh fuck off, <laughs> I do like the Al Green records off,
1: the lights are back on, the lights are ruined. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, in something that's obviously explored, a considerably more fire and brimstone way later. Mm -hmm. um, But yeah, um, the kind of the seeds are planted there. But um, yeah, the film's second consecutive MacGuffin uh, surfaces at this point when we find out that uh, the next case in in Kevin's uh, load is a triple murder. Don't we'll say load. <laughs> <laughs> Center, centering around local millionaire and uh, property tycoon uh, Alex
0: Cullen. Oh, yeah. But before this, there's the weird, where does he fuck everywhere scene. Oh, my God. What a great scene. Like You, you go to Milton's house. Because, <laughs> yeah, you
2: know, like, yeah, there's no bed. Where does he sleep? What well, makes you think he sleeps? Well, where does he fuck? Everywhere! <laughs>
3: <laughs> I
2: I almost forgot, like, w- 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 one of my favourite, like, Petuno lines in it, like, when he's chatting up Charlize Theron. I, I had to write it down. I'm like, this is fast. It's like... A woman's shoulders are the front line of her mystique.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What? Take take note, lads out there. You're doing it wrong. Like the less
2: successful sequel to The Scent of a Woman.
0: Shoulders (laughs) of a woman. (laughs) Shoulders of a
2: woman. So like if we get Pacino uh, to say it, it sounds profound, even though it's
3: nonsense. It's, it's,
1: it actually means nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, next up, we kind of we kind of shift focus. We've we'll got two things going on here, really, which is um, the beginning of the defense of this uh, this millionaire who's allegedly killed his wife, his maid, and her stepson, and uh, also Charlie's Marianne. Starting to struggle a little bit in New York with the uh, with the the new lifestyle.
2: Oh, because we get the amazing painting montage
0: (laughs) (laughs) where a friend consistently tells her to put new paint on the wall. You're like, I've just fucking done that. (laughs) With those
2: like that transition that they're so proud of that they use it again and again and again of like the roller going up and it's like, what film am I watching right now?
1: the cut in between the kind of the a story and the b story for these two strands is so bizarre Aye. <laughs> um, it really is um but yeah that conversation with the painting thing is so funny which is like oh i like this and the person who's kind of helping out with it is like no that's shite like uh <laughs> yeah, me,
0: you need a more neutral green this is fucking awful you mean a uh, demon face fake tits <laughs> <laughs> Yes, DFFT. Yeah, that who, <laughs> who lives next door. Yeah, that that seems weird as well in the store where they're talking about Man, you should just go out and start fucking because he's going to be doing it. And then she actually does nothing except have a decline that is incredibly fast.
2: Oh my God, yeah.
0: It's not given any time to breathe. I feel like maybe it was and then they were like, it's already two and a half hours long.
2: <laughs> okay, well, what are we going to cut? Well, we cannot lose the painting montage because yeah. that's integral. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or
0: the entire goat
2: related court case so, do you know how long it took to light all of those candles
0: in that basement? <laughs> we're
2: not losing it <laughs>
1: 10 then runners works for six days we're not replacing that with <laughs> a stupid woman crying <laughs> so yeah what we could do is cut 17 minutes of her emotional degeneration
0: but it is very quick she goes uh, it's kind of zero to 60 she's hmm. like oh, i'm a bit lonely um and then she's like <laughs> <laughs> but then isn't the entire film like, i guess so
1: actually <laughs> yeah, like to be fair for a fucking 143 minute film it mm. does gloss over things sometimes like right. in a really, really surprising <laughs> way um but yeah um don't want to blow passives like mention it like you say when they're out together in the shop and they're doing the kind of trying on clothes and that when a, she's like with what i have written down as the other law wags <laughs> right, okay. Um, okay. and um, yeah they're kind of talking they're changing clothes and all this kind of thing and one of them the kind of main one very briefly her face kind of contorts into a demon face now I'm not saying that this is a good effect because it isn't particularly but what I would say is that this film had been rooted I don't want to say in normality but in non-supernatural and in non-demonic stuff now when this happened it did kind of make me go like, oh it got me a little bit in that it kind of caught my eye and it caught me unawares
0: but what about the moment we saw earlier where a man clearly used black magic to silence a man but but even that's kind of kind of subtle
2: for this film uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, not, like, it's, it's important it's I
0: think it's important to mention at this point that the film is called Devil's Advocate <laughs> so if you're under any illusions of about the great reveal at the end then <laughs> like, like, this this would have been i think
1: that would have been quite a clever title if it wasn't for the fact that everything about the film and all the promotional material
0: is slathered in satanic imagery yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but on the opposite side of that when we learn that he's that pacino's the devil you're like i know yeah, like it's, like it's like the film's got I like know. 15 minutes left and it's, you've not pulled the rug out from under us. Yeah. It's, like, you know. it's completely undercutting your twist ending. It might as well have just been called something like, I don't know, like Satan's lawyer son. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that would be pretending that
2: this isn't a project that like, I know it started off as a novel, but it's a project that started off with the title and how pleased that person was <laughs> with, all right, it's law, it's the devil, it's devil's advocate. That's
0: that's, that's so true. That came for like yeah. it's already an established turn of phrase but <laughs> I'm going to take you the other way with it. <laughs> Uh, Craig T. Nelson's character actually lives in Donald Trump's real house. No oh, really? Yeah, that, oh, remember earlier I was talking about ostentatious wankers, I think I said? <laughs> yeah, that gold house that that man lives in belongs to Donald Trump. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and also, not in the least bit surprising. Very, actually, quite similar characters, I feel. Oh. Um, yeah. I feel like he might be loosely based on uh, the, <laughs> the president of the free world. <laughs>
2: Like don't get me wrong, the world is a nightmare right now, but is there not just a little part of you that hopes like more celebrities become presidents so we get this guy? Like it's weird that the president is in home alone too. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> I'm looking forward to Ryland being the next <laughs> prime minister. <laughs> We get
1: like there's um, a fallout here between Marianne and Kevin, and uh, it kind of it's kind of stemming from her kind of struggling, feeling isolated. She got left alone at the party for a really long time. Uh, Kevin suggests uh, the great time-honored marriage fixer of having a baby. Um, and then uh, they start having sex and he imagines Christabella. And again, I would say that this is um, a scene where two and arguably three conventionally attractive people are having sex. And it's just weird enough to not be arousing.
0: Uh, I don't know. I think it's quite hot. Although I don't like seeing Keanu's old face. Yeah. Uh,
2: like, it's weird. When she morphs like, from Charlize Theron to Christabella, there's not even the slightest bit of, what the fuck's going on here? He's just like, oh, okay, great. <laughs>
0: <It's> like, <laughs> no, stop for two seconds. He actually
1: <laughs> so he does not even flinch. Oh, this is ideal. <laughs> seems
0: to go off the idea of banging Charlize Theron. When yeah. it keeps cutting back to her, he's like, No, go away <laughs> Pass off back to the the redhead girl. Charlie Theron's fucking beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a big deal for her to take her kit off in this apparently she uh, had knocked back showgirls for that very reason. Charlie Staron was meant to be in showgirls. I, wow. I think it was a, a probably a good choice that she wasn't. <laughs> I think that uh,
1: I think we should maybe refine that statement to Charlize Theron was asked. Was asked.
0: I'm sure there was a lot of people that were asked to be on sugar before they finally settled on Elizabeth fucking Berkeley.
2: So she, was, uh, this has no place in the Devil's Advocate podcast. I'm sorry. Children. Are you
0: playing
1: <laughs>
2: Devil's Advocate? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh only a matter of time before the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but yeah, continue. No 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 no. I was just I I I, I had no idea and like I love showgirls. <laughs> like and, and that was some, like that that's mind blowing to me wow.
1: We didn't mention this character earlier because we met her only very briefly, but um uh we are rejoined at this point by uh Kevin's mother, Alice.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, his and- extremely puritanical mother. Yes.
2: Um, <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Back in Gainesville, what she's referring to, like New York, as like like she calls it Babylon. Like yeah. a, a, a New York is a dwelling place of demons.
1: <laughs> yeah, she oh, she my, views if, no, thats right. fucking
0: on well. <laughs> She very much views it as a kind of modern Sodom and Gomorrah <laughs> type scenario, and she's not far wrong, as it turns out, because yeah, everyone's just pure evil.
1: Yeah, I mean, if that was your if that was your assertion going in, then nothing that happens for the duration of her visit disproves that theory in the least like she goes she visits um john visits when she arrives in the company of both christabella and uh giselle who i believe has no lines of dialogue whatsoever
0: (laughs) yeah she just exists to be an uh, attractive asian lady really that's kind of her lot in this film Um, and we can all agree that um john milton's also banging christabella oh why yeah that's fine uh yes (laughs) well actually it's not it's not (laughs) at all fine no it doesn't
1: (laughs) yeah despite well despite knowing what we know about them later they do indeed have the kind of well-developed confident intimacy of frequent (laughs) shaggers for sure (laughs) but yeah like um everything about the elevator interaction when um alice and uh marianne and kevin and uh giselle and christabella are all in the lift uh-huh. Uh, this entire thing is insane for reasons that will become clear much later. But um, as they get out, Giselle and Christabella kind of start getting on in the elevator, and John's kind of like, you sure you don't want to join us <laughs> does a really
0: gross little tongue flick thing oh god <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no 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 no
2: no but you know he's just trying everything well, he's spilling out all his
0: all his little tricks <laughs> he's, just, he's throwing everything in the wall and
1: in his mind he's like well they're not gonna keep all of it and they kept all of it <laughs> <laughs> it's like i mean there's no way this film's gonna top 100 minutes like i <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but yeah Alice not hanging around no no I mean e- even if the review later on didn't come around I think her character would be pretty put off by most of the behaviour that's going on in this elevator around her aye <laughs> yeah because the
1: morning after she says she's leaving she misses her church um, and uh, she cautions him yeah. against the dangers of neglecting Marianne as well um, which fair assessment based on the facts I've presented? <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point, I realised, to my slight dismay, that I was forty nine percent of the way through this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow! Yeah,
2: it's it's a lot of film.
1: Uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so much
1: movie in this
2: movie,
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's quite slight, like trim in a way. And there's some stuff that needs more. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, so
2: ultimately, like. If you were to lose, like, you know, I think it's the court stuff that kind of gets a bit repetitive. So I guess it's the GOAT subplot that you could most easily kind of, like,
0: get rid of.
1: I think that would buy you a solid 15 minutes. I would
0: also say get rid of the Weaver Commission. Oh, God. Because that sucks up a good 10 or 15 minutes.
1: You're going to have to remind me.
0: (laughs) Uh, So uh, there's a scene pretty shortly where we see Eddie Barzoon and a group of people uh, shredding a whole bunch of files. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he just keeps talking about the Weaver commission. And then um, later on, Keanu gets accosted by Weaver himself, who mm-hmm. tries to get information on the workings of Milton's company, which, as we find out, is involved in every war zone, disease, <laughs> like, every arms sales, everything. It's, like, the, the shadiest... Really, it's a company that you would think might be owned by Satan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyone would think, yeah, it's a list that kind of sounds like somebody just like in the writer's
1: room just Googled bad shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then just control and feed that entire list. But yeah, I, I, I... you could
0: lose the, the Weaver Commission. Yes. Yeah, I'm, no, absolutely. And it's the Weaver Commission actually that proves to be Eddie Barzun's downfall. Because he threatens to go to the Weaver Commission and tell them everything, and uh, yeah, we know how that how that goes. Well, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Before this, one of my favourite kind of comedic moments in the film, and one of my favourite individual moments from Pacino as well. Uh, he and uh, Kevin are headed um, out for the night, and it's the
0: subway. This is like AC. Oh yeah.
2: (laughs) Let me make sure I've got like the timeline of of the film Is this the point like the guy goes to knife him and he knows that the guy who's about to knife him, his his wife is cheating on him at that point, and like in his own native tongue, so Keanu doesn't even know what he's saying. Like it's all subtitles, you know. Uh, Tells your wife is currently cheating on you, go use that knife elsewhere. (laughs) Like it's brilliant. (laughs) I,
0: I would say even if he spoke in English Keanu would have struggled to take in yeah. <laughs> um,
1: I love this when the guy's kind of uh, exiting the train to presumably go home and kill the guy yeah. the and wife and he just turns around and he's like you're not right man and Patino just goes oh I'm right <laughs> and then he goes "Accelerating." yeah <laughs> 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 Yeah, they have a wild night out during which uh, Kevin fights with Marianne on the club's landline phone because it's 1997. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I, love, I, like, I love this. I love the fact that presumably she either phoned there and asked for him and they found him or he asked to use their phone to call home and fight with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> he's,
0: he's also smoking in the kitchen again, Mitch. You might have noticed. This is the phone in the kitchen. <laughs> Did we learn nothing from Moyes? That's the hell code violation.
1: <laughs> from Sleepaway Camp.
2: <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, so there's like, it's, uh, there's the part like, you know, they're all like drinking around the table you know like all smoking up and like and like one lady just like dips under the table like beneath like Pacino and everyone else is just sat there watching it like oh you (laughs) (laughs) they're fine with it that this illicit blowjob is just happening right there at the table
0: this kind of stuff goes on a lot around Milton (laughs) don't Uh, you miss when you could smoke and get a blowjob in a pub you can still do both but you you will be thrown out <laughs> and it's probably like, it's like oh,
1: if you're feeling confident you're more than welcome to try <laughs> but yeah meanwhile back at the ranch Marianne is disturbed by a noise it's a child um, uh, which is holding uh, or it's a hallucination obviously yeah. but um, I think this is pretty effective it's a child um, with its back to her as she approaches the child he's holding
0: placenta We happy
2: with that yeah I mean yeah, like <laughs> i i kind of gathered like from the from like the subsequent like uh conversation that Ova- it was or ovaries, or ovaries right yeah sure. yeah yeah, like, yeah maybe but i i do genuinely love this scene because like it's say what you will about the film it's the actual horror element of it has a slow creep to it mm, you know yeah, and i and this is the turning point where like it's just oh this is now a horror film right
1: mm. like, um i totally agree i think that for as much of the film is kind of patently very silly. Mm-hmm. I think that like a lot of the kind of a lot of the darker kind of sting moments mm-hmm. land pretty
0: nicely. Aye. Before you kind of find out more about it, I, I found myself laughing uh, when she screams, uh, "They took my ovaries." <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, "What?" And then, <laughs> then she's like. She kind of goes into it a little bit more. She's like, "Actually, I can't have babies. I've got like a." And then everyone's like, "Oh." What was it? What yeah. I didn't write down the, the syndrome that oh, she's a, got. It was
1: it was it's like non-specific ovarian failure or something like that. It's, oh, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's, it's it's something like that. But yeah. again, um, uh, this is uh some very serious um emotional physical trauma for Charlene Charlize character that is gone as quick as it arrives, and we're
0: straight into a break in the case from the Alex Cullen murders. <laughs> <laughs> is this the bit where? I... Keanu Reeves says the th- the three words that will never leave me now, which is polishing his knob.
1: Uh, yes, I believe that that is uh, that is part of it. Yes, because like, yeah. um, so we fight with yeah, we basically find out that um, Alex Cullen um, has been um, having an affair with his assistant. And although that is obviously massively damaging to his reputation, it also gives him an alibi and exonerates him from the murder. More
0: damaging than a, than a triple homicide. <laughs> <laughs> well, this
2: is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I love it, though, because it's a very serious scene, but the way that he words it is, uh, I was boning my assistant. <laughs> like my wife is worried. and like, just like, almost like count is just like, do, do you have to use boning? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll see you
0: boning and I'll use polishing <laughs> his knob. <laughs>
1: it's like, it's a, it's a, it's, a really, it's a really strange time very that it's a really weird penis synonyms dot trumps.
0: by the way i miss the use of boning <laughs> uh, i think now's the time for a resurgence in boning it's, please
1: um, if like both of <laughs> both literally and metaphorically boring is thrown around quite liberally in this film um, and um, at one point uh, yeah because um, obviously uh, Kevin goes back in to defend him and starts kind of saying oh I don't like this guy if I wasn't defending him I wouldn't hang out with him he's a prick and all this kind of thing and then um, Alex pins him to the wall and starts shouting at him and basically Alex I would say also to not realise what he's doing here makes him an idiot mm-hmm. but also yeah Keanu Reeves gets one of my favourite lines in the film and by that I mean it's one of the worst lines in the film uh, sure. when he's trying to explain explain what he's trying to do and he says as long as you're out burning melissa you're not at home killing your wife <laughs> infallible logic
0: coming from the mouth of any other actor that line works just fine <laughs> the death of eddie barzoon god is yeah. an important point mm-hmm. right about here
2: yeah this is where like you know the special effects like which will eventually overwhelm the film are really starting to come <laughs> in. like so he's out for a jog sure like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, there's three guys who are starting to chase him that, you know, he's
0: getting wary of. And then they turn invisible. <laughs> Weird. Weird. And then you think, right, something's going to happen. like these, these are going to somehow, like, these ghosts or whatever, these specters are going to, like, swarm on them and, and, and do something to him. But no, he's beaten to death by some stick-wielding hobos. <laughs> yeah,
3: two completely unrelated.
0: <laughs> but also with demon faces, so they've obviously got their part to play. Yeah, just kind of you're like well why did you why bother with the weird um ghost, I, ghost joggers
1: uh kind of bears i think um it's probably worth grinding this in a little bit of context which is basically that eddie barzine pr- pr- just before this confronts him in the street and says oh your name's on the charter you're a partner how the fuck did this happen and basically makes out like he's been kind of stabbed in the back by uh kevin he's and thr- john and john yeah. yeah and he says that he had nothing to do with this he goes back and tells john and it's after this that yeah eddie is killed by the The, devil yes (laughs) you
0: don't cross the devil
2: like you just don't this like is kind of like when as i say like the film is building this to this crescendo this is when it's starting to get to that like sort of like frenzied point like we're you know we're cutting back and forth between that charlie Theron is like witnessing it and then she's like screaming and it's just like Oh shit! Like, like we're just building up this like insane rhythm to the film, like, and like th- this is when like it's this is when the good shit's like starting to get set in.
1: I, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, completely agree. I mean, I think this is kind of the point where like I'd gone from like half an hour ago being like fucking hell. There's an hour and a quarter left of this thing, or however long it was. Um, and then after this happened, I was like, I am so in for the rest of this. Yeah, this is the
0: point you started messaging me like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, basically, like I was just kind of like frantically writing notes, watching it, and live tweeting the experience to <laughs> pretty much. <Yeah. laughs>
0: it's fairly so much that uh, things uh, pick up here at a pace that can only be described as breakneck. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, okay, so I'm already saying, like, after this is the funeral
2: scene, or do we have anything before that?
1: Um, just before that, we have, um, in fact, um, it's just before that, we have uh, Keanu clocks on to the fact that Melissa, the assistant, is lying. Uh, Colin's actually guilty of the murders and uh, then I kind of assumed that this film was setting up for the court case to be the kind of like to frame the last half hour of it that doesn't happen at all you actually like it's it's almost like a scene missing or like you lean on the fast forward button because it's like oh it's this massive revolution and he's getting set for court and I was like oh this is you know like Presumably, this is going to drive it. I and mean, then it literally just cuts to everyone walking out and the being like, That sure was some good lawyer you did back there. And then it's just gone.
2: <laughs> like, we're like, This is the case we breeze over.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, It's, it's so much in the last hour of it. I've been about that. I was just like, It's absolutely just thrown away. The
0: <laughs> goat meat gets so much more screen
1: time. Wait, and uh, yeah, after this, we haven't, um, I guess, it's, yeah, it's, this is also important actually because it's one of the few times that the film kind of lingers on um uh, the experiences of Marianne because uh, Kevin and Keanu finds Marianne in church oh, wrapped f- in a blanket That's it's an amazing dumb. scene
2: yeah, I, I, yeah sorry the, yeah this is like
0: ar- arguably you know, one of the best scenes in it Jesus like I, I, I would actually say from this point to the very end it's fucking awesome yeah <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> i think this might actually come immediately after uh the weaver commission guy gets mm. hit by the car and killed right. when milton's like boiling water with his fingers in the church and stuff <laughs> no that's that's at the funeral isn't it that's at eddie Barzun's funeral. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: the horniest funeral i've ever witnessed on cinema yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I pretty much wrote that exact thing. Down. If anyone's got a sexier
0: funeral, we're willing to hear. Get in touch through all the usual channels.
2: That's like that's a wonderful moment though. Just like Pacino, just like walking about the church, just like eyeing up, like eyeing up the painting, just like oh, I touch it, <laughs> I put my f- finger in your water. <laughs>
1: But yeah, uh, prior to this, we've got um, Marianne I, I'm f- accusing John of having raped her. Keanu uh, knows that he's been in court with him the entire time. He obviously uh, assumes that this is a lie. I actually he has her sectioned when he sees her scratched up body, yeah, uh, because he believes that she's done it to herself.
2: Yeah, I mean, on paper a re- a really harrowing scene, but in its execution, like you know, when she takes off like like and you know, she's like covered in cuts, and the music's building up. And like, Look what he did to me! And yeah. like the film's reaching that fever pitch that it's just gonna keep at for the rest of the film now. Like, uh-huh. where, yeah. where just like th- th- for the rest of the film, everybody's yelling. Yeah, rest, yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
0: You're,
1: you're stra- in for forty minutes.
0: <laughs> At this point, I think a section and seems kind of doesn't seem unreasonable.
1: No, because c- I mean, like t- to his mind, I mean, she's saying he was somewhere and he could see with his eyes that he appeared to be somewhere else.
0: Well, we, I guess we're presuming then that the devil is omnipotent. Uh, yeah. I mean,
1: I mean, the, you get into some really cagey, mythology slash demon logistics at this point. Are we to mm-hmm.
0: believe that he
1: did? I mean, I believe so. I would yeah. say so. I'd say he did. Yeah, on the nose, I would say that's that's addressed pretty... I, I think that that's... Everywhere! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this gets kind of huge around this point. Something <laughs> is... Does it? Right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he follows her to the hospital where she gets sectioned, goes to check that she's all right and everything's going well. It is not at all. That weird Pam woman is hanging around... And um, she goes to show, or she shows mary Ann her face in the mirror. And uh, look, you're still beautiful, you're still beautiful. And mary Ann sees Pam with a demon face, fucks her in the face with a mirror, and then locks the door to her room and uses the shards of mirror to kill herself, to slash her own throat, mm-hmm. which is pretty fucking harrowing. Best bit of acting from Keanu in the film. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Like, um, like for this one point in the
2: film,
1: he doesn't seem hammy. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's big acting, but it, <laughs> it works, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that that maybe has something to do with the fact that kind of, like, the film is finally matching him in terms of dramatic heft. Aye. So, like, the film's kind of, kind of getting grander around him. Uh-huh. So I think that, like, it's maybe context. Like, his appearance kind of feels a little bit more grounded because it's more contextually appropriate than it has been for pretty much the entire the rest of the film. Aye. Yeah, yeah. Potentially, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the scene where the scene where she actually dies and all, and where she slashes her throat with the glass and stuff, is again, it's really harrowing stuff, and again, it's a dark moment that the film kind of knocks out of the park. I think
0: mm-hmm. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Perhaps not the best time immediately following that for his mum to tell him uh, that John Milton's his dad. Hey, yeah, <laughs> uh, as if we hadn't figured that one out by this point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that what, what this immediately planted in my head was that you know earlier on, way way back when they're in the elevator. And uh, his mom's kind of eyeing John suspiciously. Yeah. And I kind of assumed that this was because her religious zealot spidey sense was tingling and she knew that he was the devil as opposed to being like, are you that guy? Oh. Are <laughs> you that, that waiter all that,
0: <laughs>
2: that I fucked? I remember that being such an interesting choice that like for a while the devil was just waiting tables. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <That's> so bizarre.
1: <laughs>
2: What is Gapier? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: What is here from devil school? Yeah,
2: like, that head of a law firm, sure, I get it. Well paying job, breezy. But, like, if you've waited tables, <laughs>
0: like. It's <just>, um, <laughs> cr- really funny when you think about it, actually. That, <laughs> the devil collecting tips, you know?
2: <laughs> I haven't even crossed my mind. Trying to That's negotiate
0: amazing. holidays and time off, like, <laughs> swapping <and> shifts. <laughs> I wouldn't miss
1: a black mask because no one could cover his Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, And yeah, at this point, Keanu races to the final confrontation, and oh my god, do I love every second of what happens here!
0: That's fucking brilliant. Um, Time to visit Daddy, I suppose. And uh, I love that from the minute that we now know that what he is uh, and that he's also Kevin's dad mm-hmm. he is underlit yes. <laughs> <laughs> to, you know that thing you do with your little with a torch under your face when you're telling a scary story to make your face look vaguely demonic Aye. he's got that for the rest of the film Aye.
2: and it's almost like at this point like Pacino no longer looks like he's in costume, Pacino looks like just what he wears in his off time like his shirt's unbuttoned down to, <laughs> to his he's just... Oh, he's comfortable now. He's in his PJs, and he's just... He's ready to cut loose. <laughs> and he does,
0: like... Sunday week... patina. <laughs> the director gives him rope to dance. Like, he oh. gives him, like... <laughs> There is nothing that this man cannot do in this scene that the director doesn't let him do. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it
2: it's essentially for... Maybe about ten minutes or so, just one big monologue. or Absolutely, so, like, yeah, it's got to so be possibly about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, just to, and as a result, just to kind of cliff notes that very briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like what actually happens here, mm-hmm. well, or like or what you what you learn. This has been about mm-hmm. when kind of uh, Pacino Milton says that he basically set the stage for uh, Kevin's road. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's his own kind of uh, Kevin's own preoccupation with winning at all costs and things that's taken him down this dark road. And he gave him options to get out and stuff like that. And he always chose the kind of darker, more nefarious route and things. Uh, from Moyes to Melissa, he was doing the dark things.
0: But then hes yeah. he basically says to him as well, do you think it's a coincidence that you're so good at this? You're the devil's son. Did you think that you were just a naturally gifted lawyer? Yeah, so, I mean, i I guess, you
2: know, so he mentions that he's had so many children. And so there's possibly the implication that, you know, he's had children who again have extraordinary abilities like keanu reeves does but they have not gone down that dark path Mm -hmm. they are the disappointments whereas he's been tempted in by it you know he, he he's you know been seduced by the dark side and you know has gone down that path yeah,
1: and he's kind of the golden child for that reason uh-huh yeah i i think i think that's cool and I, and I think that yeah like as a kind of as a kind of big late stage development in the story i think that that's i think that's pretty clever i like uh, yeah. it mm-hmm. yeah i like it quite mm-hmm. a lot um what i like less um is uh patino egging him on to um conceive the antichrist with his half sister who we learn is Christabella. cristabella uh, like ariola <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like as if you have
0: not been through enough today. <laughs> revelation heaped upon revelation. Now, how would you fancy fucking your sister? <laughs> oh, that lady you've been horny for, yeah,
2: sister.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know your wife died, and you just found out oh, I'm your dad. But this as well. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like Luke, Leia, and Vader. For sure, for sure. <laughs> what,
0: what if all Star Wars happened in one day? <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then Vader didn't walk around commenting while they were kissing. Like, ah, no. yeah, that's my boy, slip of the tongue. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you were struggling to shag Charlize Theron earlier, but now,
0: now like Pacino, two inches away from you, just like stood over you. Yeah, yeah like, yes. but also not put off by the fact that he now knows it's his sister. Yeah, kind of, kind of I guess it's that. <laughs> it's wrong, but it feels
1: so right. Um, <laughs> but Kevin does finally exercise a bit of free will here, mm. and in doing so, brings uh, Satan's divine plan crumbling down by. Uh, shooting himself in the head oh and what's oh okay like there's almost
2: too much even within like the seconds after he shoots himself in the head because so the decor of satan's apartment that's got like like that <laughs> statue that is alive and it's all these people writhing around <laughs> and, all, like, all these and then as soon as he shoots himself in the head all the statues are like oh no no <laughs> Yeah, it's that, out. It's amazing. It turns into
0: a wild CG hurricane of nonsense <laughs> at this point. Uh, like all of a sudden, like Milton's naked uh, and on fire. And on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Christabella is a mummy. Uh, she's like a, a husk. Uh, uh, Keanu Reeves falls incredibly slowly to the floor. <laughs> And a lot happens in the time it takes from it hit the floor. Um, there is a, a hurricane of flames. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my favourite uh, assessment, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good
1: unit of measurement for how many flames you get. There. Yeah, and,
0: um, John Milton grows long
2: hair and yeah, becomes and an angel. Of, yeah, it sort of takes on Keanu Reeves' face. He does, I mean, yeah. Which is weird. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> But by that point, I don't know if you guys would say, by that point, it's it, it's just so gleeful. I was screaming in my seat, just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs>
1: like, like, this is the kind of thing that under most other circumstances, I would be like, oh, fuck off with you. But, like, but, <laughs> see, like but see, like, yeah, like everything about like you said the slow motion fall everything being enveloped in flames the entire like CG fucking Mardi Gras that's going on for some reason I was just like yes more more
0: <laughs> throw more nonsense at us
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah this entire two and two plus hour like film has just been leading up to this just fucking orgasm of flames and like <laughs> it was
0: just like, screaming for the floor to give way into hell like, <laughs> like a glimpse of hell like more demon faces fucking turn them into the devil <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> what i like about you know we're saying that this does around some tv a lot i like yeah. the idea of somebody like just turning it on for five minutes in the middle and thinking that it's like a coaching drama and uh, just oh, flicking back and being like oh i wonder uh, if LA that... Law? And then, yeah and just being like oh i wonder if that guy killed his wife his uh stepson and his maid and then just turning it on for that and being like oh okay <laughs> you
0: would only have to turn away for about 30 seconds for the story, that part of the story, to completely resolve behind your back and for something <laughs> fucking crazy to happen, <laughs> You'd be like, what? <laughs> um,
1: so yeah, uh, the, so the plan is foiled. And at this point, uh, as you touched on earlier, Chris, the fire kind of becomes a glint in the eye of present day Kevin back at the very moral crossroads that we find him at and at the start of the film.
0: Originally, the point that we rejoin it at It's heralded by this loud kind of crashing bang boom noise. Uh And then we come back in on that same noise with him in the mirror still in the bathroom, contemplating his next steps with that dirty teacher.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, because I remember, like, um, you know, when you're first watching it, like, that sound effect happens and you're like, oh, that's a bit much. And then, like, by the the time you get to the end of the film,
1: oh, right. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And, um, and, yeah, he's learned a little from the experience. And it's like, what has actually happened here? Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, I'm, I'm assuming that we're not getting Dallas here and this hasn't all been like a dream, but how do we go from down the road that we go to back here? Is my question. I have my theory,
2: Chris. Whatever theory you could have is muddled by what happens a couple minutes after that, if you know what I mean. Like,
0: yeah okay well my theory includes the last shot of the film okay okay mm-hmm. so do we want to maybe like go yeah with, i think like, you, the, need, the, 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 you need you need to know what actually happens yeah uh, I, 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 yeah we
1: should, we should maybe look at the fullness of yeah. how this unfolds uh-huh. and then kind of yeah we, we can <laughs> analyze it retrospectively. Yeah. but like um yeah so he goes back uh back in, so kevin goes back into the main room and uh risks uh disbarment risks the end of his legal career by saying um i can't defend this man fair play <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know I respect uh, so- plus it's
0: also revealed earlier if you were to believe that that is an existing timeline as well or that is how things might proceed that this guy would later kill a girl uh-huh. and he would be found with a 10 year old girl's body in his car that's right. important
1: yeah yeah but um, so yeah he risks disbarment walks out of the courtroom the journalist that he's talking to at the start comes out starts talking about um uh, how there's a huge story in this like this lawyer having a crisis of conscience things like that Ken kind who's of a little bit reticent to go in for this to begin with, because he's kind of just he's just like, oh, they're gonna disbar me right about that. Eventually he kinda of starts getting slightly seduced by the notion that this, re- like this reporter's story might make him in a kind of celebrity. He says kind of call me in the morning, him and Marianne leave, and uh the journalist morphs into John Milton, who says directly into the camera, Vanity always was my favourite sin. And then Painted Black by the Rolling Stones plays heavy hand- <laughs> plays heavy handedly over the credits. And we're out (laughs) (laughs) I do love the you know, like
2: you know the guy's like, you know, writing this film. He's just like, and then we fade out. And then we fade to, the, like, the Rolling Stones song. It's obvious. You know the one I mean. You mean yeah. sympathy for the devil. For, you mean paint it black. <laughs> Do you have any idea <laughs> of how expensive
0: sympathy for the devil
2: is?
1: <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> like,
2: Scorsese has that on lockdown for <laughs> every film he makes. <laughs> so, so,
1: that Rolling Stones song, so, got it, brown sugar. <laughs> Yeah. so yes that is the chain of events that unfolds somehow in a, a film that does not do very much with any kind of brevity two minutes we get this resolution and yeah so I think at this point I guess I would open up the floor to any uh, because I because because I, you know, I mean the reason I'm asking the question is because I've got nothing so going from when Kevin derails the plan by killing himself goes back to the starting point of the film chooses a different path, but Milton is still alive, plan presumably still on the table mm-hmm. in the fullness of time. Mm-hmm. If he goes on another dark road, what have we just seen and where are we going?
2: So, I mean, like, I would argue that possibly, you know, the devil's powers even kind of exceed what we've already witnessed for the bulk of the film. He can reset the timeline. Like, he can still seduce, you know, like, Keanu Reeves down, mm-hmm. like, a different path. You know, like, this wasn't a dream. And he can lead uh, Keanu Reeves, you know, to believe that oh he's made the right choice and and he's he's succeeded in this sort of like morality play while at the same time still winning. Sure, like, yeah. you know.
0: okay. I actually have the words morality play here written. Mm-hmm. I, all, I pretty much exactly agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think the events play out exactly as we see them. Mm-hmm. I guess an alternative read on that would be that he's always the devil on his shoulder, giving him the choice the whole way along the way, along this journey. Mm-hmm. Even if it is a microcosmic glimpse of what he could have and what could happen, ultimately Milton does exist. Milton is probably still his father and will ultimately win whether it's by making him a celebrity through a book about turning his back on like his law career and being a lawyer who just stood up for what he believed in, um, a defence lawyer who stood up for what he believed in, mm-hmm. ultimately that fame that could come off the back of that is still potentially going to lead him to John Milton's door and to the same kind of resolution.
1: So we think that this isn't, like I said, this isn't a dream, this isn't an alternate timeline. What you're seeing here is kind of a failed experiment that John Milton can and will reset the clock on as many times as he wants.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, this does actually beg the question then. So, the reporter character, you know, who morphs into John Milton. Well, we saw him earlier in the film. We saw him when they were out at the
0: bar mm-hmm. celebrating after they had won the case. Was that John Milton? I'm going to say yes. Mm. I'm into the idea of John Milton always being this kind of present character in his life. In some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't have a terrible relationship with this reporter. Yeah, they seem to get on okay, Aye. despite the fact that he's a reporter and, and Kevin kind of views him as a, a bit of a parasite. But, but that's that's okay, that's to be expected. But they don't seem to hate each other. He's at the bar with him, and so I, I, I like the idea of thinking that that's John's always there. Aye. with his finger in his life. Aye, and in the bar scene, like the reporter's acting as a kind of like
2: voice of reason, and like so he's almost kind of like prodding him, just like just how ruthless and cutthroat is this guy is yeah. he is he worth pursuing you know
1: yeah 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 these theories mitch very happy guys good work that's exactly what i was at <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um chris i mean uh like i started watching this and when we got to about an hour in, like I say i was really wondering like i was, I was kind of like where's this headed what is my Keanu accent threshold? I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe that there are ninety more minutes of this. Um, by the time this was hitting like the last 40, 40 minutes um, or so, I was having an absolute riot with this. Like it's it's like it's I it's one of my favourite picks on here in a really long time, just because it's such a weird, complex tangle of contradictions, <laughs> um, and, and, it, and, it, and it feels like so many people are trying to do so many different things. Yeah in this and uh yeah it's it's just it's just the strangest thing and how it's and how this story is this bloated two and a half hour monstrosity is just beyond me mm. but and like it's in it's simultaneously over and underdeveloped it's like bloated but also some things are completely left to die by the wayside it <laughs> could be really compelling um <laughs> genuinely like an absolute head scratcher I've had so much fun with it S- it's such a good selection for this format i think
2: it's such a joy but i'm still not sure if it's good
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah no i'm certainly not convinced by that like, <laughs> i'm very happy that i've seen it
0: andy yeah i uh, i've got to agree with you uh i i've seen this film a bunch of times as well uh to me it, it's one of those films that i constantly to steal from another podcast here but i wonder how it even got made it feels to me like there were so many things that were against the devil's advocate actually existing never mind the fact that Pacino didn't want to do it no. and was some, quite a big one yeah <laughs> it was somehow <laughs> seduced into doing it i just think it's it's a film that has that has so much stuff that shouldn't work and doesn't work performances that are all over the map one enormous, gigantic performance that without that, I think it, this film would not be remembered anywhere near as fondly or as favourably as it is. Mm-hmm. Imagine it was Sean Connery. Imagine it, it. It'd be a slog. It'd, oh, be, a, it'd be a fucking I, nightmare. It'd be, it'd, yeah. <laughs> it'd be such a hard watch. It'd be a, a game <laughs> But I really, really like it. I mm-hmm. think there is a lot of fat and a lot of stuff that could be trimmed. There's, idea, there's really good ideas in there mm-hmm. that maybe aren't given as much time to breathe. Mm-hmm. But apart from the ninth configuration, it's probably Probably the most critically liked film that we've done Actually, yeah. critically well received and uh yeah i think if you can get through the first hour uh <laughs> it pays off in enormous fashion <laughs> uh, it's such a fu- the, the last half an hour is fucking amazing <sighs> amazing log but don't touch
1: <laughs> <laughs> chris before we wrap up uh you have been pretty busy recently
2: uh, yeah, so uh, I, I I just uh, finished uh, the Glasgow Comedy Festival. I did a uh, performance of uh, my show called Cineman. It's a hour long comedy show, just all about films. Uh, as well as that, you know, just been doing spots all, all across the festival. Uh, but yeah, like
0: uh, so, the Glasgow Comedy Festival is done, but uh, you know, still doing comedy uh, throughout mm-hmm. Glasgow and Edinburgh. So yeah. the show Cineman. I know a lot of comedians, they they don't tend to kind of narrow in so much on a subject like film. What what was the decision to do a comedy show about, more specifically about film? Strangely, like, so I'd I'd already done, like, two
2: shows, two shows at the Glasgow Comedy Festival uh, the previous years that, you know, weren't tied down with a theme. And strangely enough, this was actually easier. In in my head, I was just like, oh, I could could do just, like, a 45-minute show. And yet, like, it just, like, grew and it had legs and... I think yeah just you know just you know fan of films and love tearing them apart and you know love paying tribute to them and you know uh, uh, my shows previously had had like quite a heavy you know like portion of them just making fun or or talking about films anyway Mm -hmm. and there was always that notion of oh spending too much time in a film thing whereas I, i was just kind of like Oh, if I just make a show about films, then I have free reign. And then it also led to just, you know, folk picking up on it and like, as opposed to, you know, you get a lot of shows at the Glasgow Comedy Festival and at the Fringe that are just like, here's this person and they are doing their show and why should we care where's, where's <laughs> yeah. you know you see the tagline was just jokes about films it's very clean just and it got like really good turnout of just my like, kind of people just you know like, yeah, you know, like cool. film geeks yeah. you know mm-hmm. like folk who have you know like studied film and so you can do the more obscure jokes you know there's jokes about Lars von Trier in there and like <laughs> Terrence Malick and like where else can you do that and a well, perfect know, joke for on
0: uh, both of them I, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> like never heard
1: a Terence Malick joke I didn't like no. <laughs> um so um is that show was that kind of at the end of it's run for you or are you looking to do a little more with it or so potentially going to be
2: performing it as part of the Edinburgh Film Festival oh, uh took oh, it, that's cool took it to the fringe last year still early days I uh, don't have a date in place just yet but yeah like so gonna be doing that and and that's potentially going to be you know the last performance of it because uh, okay. you know did a version of it last year at the Glasgow Comedy Festival took it to the fringe did it a couple of other dates and been you know slowly updating it and I think this would be you know a nice place to you know just like do it one last time yeah <laughs> I mean yeah
1: it would feel like a natural kind of not a natural kind of end point so that would be June right uh yes, yes. yeah <laughs> okay cool um and and yeah doing kind of other kind of just general comedy around uh the rest of the time or uh
2: yeah yeah like um gig mostly uh in glasgow and Edinburgh. uh you know you got wonderful places like uh you know so you've got the stand in both glasgow and Edinburgh, and uh you've got a monkey barrel uh mm-hmm. in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. like uh that you know just opened a couple years ago that's like perfect uh so gig there a lot and um we've got a sort of monthly night that uh me and a couple of friends run called chunks uh which is an alternative night basically we, we wanted to put together a night where there was no stand-up. So, you know, it's it's three minutes per section. Folk can come on, and the idea is it's any type of comedy except for stand-up. So it gets folk doing something that's out with the stuff that they normally do. It's characters, it's sketches, it's songs, it's all sort of weird nonsense. Uh, so we're currently uh, taking April off, but that will be back in May.
1: Awesome, yeah, okay. That's, that's cool. Yeah. So a lot of stuff to kind of keep an eye on. Where can people do that?
2: Uh, so again, uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, CB Thorburn follow me on Twitter and I'm on there. Excellent. Good Chris, go. thanks
1: so much for doing this and thanks especially for bringing the devil's advocate to the table. I'm so glad I, to bring it to your lives. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: so, much, just beaming. Uh, uh, he's just so happy to have yep. seen this. Uh, yeah, that has been brilliant, Chris. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you so uh, much cool. for having me. Uh fan of the show so
2: it's nice Aww, to find you on.
0: <laughs> well, what a pick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Enjoy that, did you? very <laughs> much so yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> everywhere uh, everywhere big thank you to mr chris thorburn for taking the time yeah. to come by talk devil's advocate with us and also talk a little bit about uh both cinnamon and chunks which both sound like really cool ideas yeah if you get a chance pop along
0: follow them on uh social media and uh track well basically track them yeah get out of those things track his movements. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um,
1: and with that, I suppose, after all that
0: drama, after all those theatrics... Intensity.
1: Yeah, we are done once again. I don't
0: know about you, Mitch, but I am exhausted. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, yeah, definitely. We will, however, be back this Monday. We will. Oh-ho. With Minisode 47. Which is also our 100th recording. Our 100th recording. Holy fuck. We've done a hundred various versions of these.
0: That makes me feel quite emotional. Yeah.
1: That? Like, that's crazy. It is. Um, that's a stupid level of effort. It is. <laughs> it really is. Uh, we will be marking the occasion with all the usual stuff. We will be talking about what we've been watching. We'll be taking a look at my progress or otherwise. through the Shockwaves 100 hundred. will be taking a look at your feedback. And of course, we will be playing another round of Mitch's Pitches and letting you know everything that you need to know for next week's main episode
0: yeah I can't wait this is very
1: exciting yeah it really is yeah. it really is in the meantime though get in touch with us if you'd like we'd uh-huh. love to hear from you Facebook and Instagram we're strong language violent scenes you can tweet us as well at strong PC
0: and you can also if you'd prefer email strong language violent scenes at gmail.com yep and guess what I'm going to say now couldn't possibly imagine I'm going to talk about where you can listen interesting development go on Stitcher iTunes Spotify Google Podcasts Acast TuneIn and Podbean you can see Say that shit in your sleep at this point. I do, apparently. (laughs) 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 Rate and review.
1: (laughs) Yeah, on that subject. Rate, review, subscribe. You know how it works at this point. Please do.
0: Please review us.
1: Please. Yeah, you know, please review us nicely. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Like we say, there's no point in us doing this if you guys aren't listening. And the very fact that you are warms my tiny little black heart.
1: Yeah, big thank you to all of you. So we'll be back on Monday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.